Now I want to let's go. Now I declare that the Lord has given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him, and I'm being filled with the knowledge of His will, in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. As a result of this, I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. I am pleasing Him in all respects. I'm bearing fruit in every good work, and I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ears to His word. The word is entering my heart. It is giving me light and direction. It is healing me in every area, and it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ, Amen. 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 Can you bless somebody beside you? Say, understanding is your portion today in Jesus' name. Now bless somebody else. Understanding is your portion in the name of Jesus. That the Lord will give you the word you need. Yeah, say that again. Tell, prophesy to one person. Grab the somebody and say, the Lord will give you the word that you need. And me too. In Jesus' name. All right, the Lord is good. Now let's take our seats. All right, can we open our Bibles? We have been talking about agent, being agents of light, being agents of the truth. And that's what we began to look at. Um, that was the thing I began to teach this year. That's the truth. Faith, yes. Agents of light, agents of faith. All right. So I've been looking at that. Being agents of light and agents of faith. And um, I want to continue today reading from an interesting portion of the scriptures. I want to read from Jeremiah chapter 32. Jeremiah chapter 32. Now what I want to read is long. I mean the whole segment is long. But I will jump um, just to select the relevant verses. And there's so much um, intervening verses that uh, will not really contribute too much to what I want to bring out from it. So I'm just going to read um, a few verses. All right, let's start from Jeremiah chapter 32. The word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord in the 10th year of Zedekiah, king of Judah, which was the 18th year of Nebuchadnezzar. Now at that time, the army of the king of Babylon was besieging Jerusalem, and Jeremiah the prophet was shut up in the court of the guard, which was in the house of the king of Judah. They had locked him up there. Because Zedekiah, king of Judah, has shut him up, saying, Why do you prophesy, saying, Thus says the Lord, Behold, I am about to give this city into the hand of the king of Babylon, and he will take it. And Zedekiah, king of Judah, will not escape out of the hand of the Chaldeans, but he will surely be given into the hand of the king of Babylon. I will speak with him face to face and all of that. Okay? Now, um... I'm just rushing that because where I really want to get to is somewhere else. Verse 6, And Jeremiah said, The word of the Lord came to me, saying, Behold, Hanamel, the son of Shalom, your uncle, is coming to you, saying, Buy for yourself a field, which is at Anathoth, for you have the right of redemption to buy it. Then in verse 8, Hanamel, my uncle's son, came to me in the court of the guard, according to the word of the Lord, and said to me, Buy my field, please, that is at Anathoth, which is in the land of Benjamin, for you have the right of possession, and the redemption is yours. Buy it for yourself. Jeremiah said, when this happened, then I knew that this was the word of the Lord. So I bought the field, verse 9, which was at Anathoth, from Hanamel, my uncle's son, and I weighed out the silver for him, 17 shekels of silver, I signed and sealed the deed and called in witnesses and weighed out the silver 
on the scales. Then I took the deeds of purchase, both the seal, sealed copy containing the terms and conditions, and the open copy. And I gave the deeds to Baruch, the son of Neriah, the son of Maseiah, in the sight of Hanamel, my uncle's son, in the sight of the witnesses who signed the deed of purchase before the Jews who were sitting in the court of the guard. And I commanded the Baruch in, the, in their presence, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, this sealed deed of purchase and this open deed, and put them in an earthenware jar, that it may last a long time. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, houses and fields and vineyards will again be bought in this land. Now, it's after I had given the deed of purchase to Baruch, then I prayed to the Lord, saying, Ah, Lord God, behold, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and by your outstretched arm. Nothing is too difficult for you. Who shows loving kindness to thousands, but repays the iniquity of fathers into the bosom of their children after them? O great and mighty God. The Lord of hosts is his name, great in counsel and mighty indeed, whose eyes are open to all the ways of the sons of men. And I kept on speaking all of these things. And I talked about how Israel had done evil and all of that. Okay? Now, what I want to then, if you, because of time, I'm jumping now. Like I said, I, I will do. They described the things that had happened and how God was bringing forth judgment. That is, described the disobedience of Israel and how God was bringing forth judgment against them. All right? So Babylon was coming to take them over as a result of their disobedience. Now, if you continue um, reading, if you get down to verse um, 44, I want to give around then. Verse 42, For thus says the Lord, Just as I brought all this great disaster on these people, so I am going to bring on them all the good I am promising them. Fields will be bought in this land of which you say it is a desolation. That is, it's a desolation without man or beast. It is given into the hand of the Chaldeans. Men will buy fields for money, sign and seal deeds, and calling witnesses. Now, remember that's what Jeremiah did. When he, when he bought that stuff from his cousin, they will sign and seal deeds, calling witnesses in the land of Benjamin, in the environment, in the environs of Jerusalem, in the cities of Judah, in the cities of the hill country, in the cities of the lowland, and in the cities of the Negev. For I will restore their fortunes, declares the Lord. Now you may be wondering what has this got to do with our teaching. Uh, that is what I asked God to do our teaching on being agents of faith and agents of light. Now I want to remind us of what we are talking about. He said, Arise, shine, for your light has come. That is the law of God. Anytime he wants to bless a place, he takes people that he has lighted upon and he commands those people to shine into the environment. What I've been talking about is the fact that we need this commandment executed in our lives. If the places around us are going to experience the blessing of God. If God commands a blessing, it does not just flow automatically or accept people cooperate with the blessing and cause the blessing to come into the environment. Very important. I mean, we bear it in mind and remember it. 
I say each person has a light. You have to let your light shine. I don't want to preach the messages again that we've been preaching. But I need to repeat this. You take a continent like ours, Africa, they need the manifestation of the sons of God. Except the sons of God manifest their light, the continent will remain in darkness. As a matter of fact, very few, among the black nations especially, there are very few countries that are enlightened. Now, this is a matter of fact. As a country like Nigeria, it's a matter of fact. This is not, I mean, if you know anyone that's as good, I mean, let me know. Now, you see what I'm talking about. So, a country like Nigeria, it has a lot of advantage. And my, what I have seen is not just about the population. It's about the light that God chose. He chose to shine the light through this country into the continent. And it affects everything, including those who don't outright believe. I don't know whether I get my point. There is an environment you create with light. There's an atmosphere that is generated by faith. You understand what I'm saying? People just in an environment. They pour a spiritual substance into the environment. It affects everything around them. We have been talking about that. Okay, so we need to arise and shine. What I've been trying to say for some time, I was able to begin it last time, and I think I'll be able to go into it in details today. And that's the fact that number one thing we have to shine concerning is the faith that we release into the environment. You will ask me, why did you read Jeremiah? I'm curious. I will get there. Just be patient. You get my point? Uh-huh. Now, it's the faith you release into the environment. Let me remind us again that God cannot do anything except faith as a substance is in the air. Now, I'm not just talking about it's in the heart of somebody now. I'm talking about it being in the air, being in the environment. Faith is not just a state of mind. In fact, faith is not a state of heart. Faith is a spiritual substance that people can pour into the environment. Unbelief is like that too. They can pour unbelief into the environment. And they are not just, they have opposite effects, but the same heart can release the two if people are not careful. It's inappropriate, but it happens. Faith is not just, listen, people of faith come into this place, they release faith into the air. When, even when they go out, the effect is still in the environment. If people of unbelief come in, it is the same thing. Do you get my point? Especially when you have things in common that you're doing, even though you're not doing at the same time. All right? Unbelief is a spiritual substance. Faith is a spiritual substance. Each one of us as individuals, what God has given us, or the fact is that as spirit beings, we are releasing something into the air around us. We are. For example, those who continue walking in iniquity, God said it like this, the earth becomes polluted. The land becomes defiled. The soil will become loose. Erosion will take things away. The tectonic plates under them will start shifting because of their iniquity. It is because the earth is polluted by their works. That's how things work. All right? Look, the truth is that people don't do enough research on scientific things. That is, they don't do enough scientific research, I'm going to say, on spiritual things. If they did, it's actually demonstrable. There is a man, John Templeton, the way, the, the way Nobel re- released money, that they give Nobel Prizes, he released money also. And every year they give out a John Templeton Award, trying to encourage people to start researching into spiritual things. The fact is that these things are real. You know, and when scientists want to um, research, they don't, you know, you know, anytime you want to start a research, you have a research question. They never ask the spiritual questions. They ask the physical questions. 
they get groups of people. Okay, people from Enugu live longer than people from uh, uh, maybe Abakiliki. I'm not saying how, I'm just as an example, right? They now say, okay, let us find out why. They start checking. All right, they will go around the Para Square and check people jogging. You know, Para Square is a serious jogging zone. This morning when I drove past, because Bishop made me leave my house in the morning on a Saturday, as I was driving, they stopped jogging now. They even do press-ups <laughs> right in front of the government house. You know, jogging bands have started. You know, people who play music for those who are jogging. Those who sell okwato, those who have finished jogging, they are there. Those who sell towel, all kinds of things, you understand? Anyway, <laughs> so you see, they'll go and investigate. Any good people jog a lot, as an example. They'll say, Abakali people, they don't jog as much. All right? They'll check their food. Okwa, oh, that's Enugu staple. Abakaliki, Izeba, you know? I'm not saying it's like that. I'm just telling you possibilities. All right? Of course, don't blame me. I pump Enugu a bit. All right? So they go to Abakaliki people. <laughs> when do they wake up? Enugu people, when do they wake up? Abakaliki people, when do they sleep? They check all of those things. Do you know why? Those are the things that science believes contributes to your health. It's exercise, it is diet, it is sleep. They don't ask. Now listen, I want to say something very ridiculous, all right? But to give you an idea of questions you don't ask so you don't get an answer, they will not ask, how do the men in Enugu treat their wives? They don't ask that. They will not ask, how do the young men treat their parents? Those questions are not asked as in determining how it affects the longevity of the people. It is assumed totally it has no effect. So they never ask those questions. And that is why spiritual things are never scientifically proven. If they bought that too, they will, it's, in, it's clear. Those who are bothered to just give you some observations, they will have told you that when Christians are dying, they die differently. It's a matter of fact that those who observe Christians dying, they die differently. That when Christians are dying, they tend to die with joy. They die with happiness. But unbelievers, when they die, our faith especially, they tend to die angry. There's a reason for it. Their faith, of course, they know. Many of them, they may not be able to communicate to people around them, but they see the Lord receive them. They see angels call them that it is time. Are you getting my point here? So, you see, scientists don't study these things because those things are not presented as research questions. So they never have an answer. They just assume God doesn't answer prayers. And because... As a matter of fact, the whole world lies under the power of the evil one. Even if you show it, they will not publish it. Just like I've said again and again, and it's a matter of fact, you heard of global warming, global warming, global warming. Just about in the 70s, you know what they said? Listen to this. What I want to tell you, you will laugh. Okay, why is the world globe warming now from the things they are telling us? No, no, Zenlay has been patched. <laughs> so like... <laughs> Yeah, it repairs. It's been repaired. That is not no. They didn't sew it. I mean, like <laughs> when they stop using CFC containing coolants, it's supposed to have repaired itself automatically. To a large extent, it's still be faulty, but generally okay. The things they say now is what carbon dioxide emissions, which comes from where? The one they complain about industries and motor cars. Do you understand what I'm saying? Now you know the truth. If I tell you this, it will shock you. These were the things they said in the 70s were responsible for global cooling. In the 70s, the noise was that your cars are producing too much carbon dioxide. The industries are producing too much soot, too much carbon. It is leading to global dimming, that the globe is getting too dim, and there's global dimming and therefore global cooling. 
we have to restrict this release of carbon dioxide and, uh, and particles into the air. They said the earth was getting too cold. It's in the newspapers of the 70s. It's shocking now when you hear that. 40 years later, of course, 20 years later, the story changed. They've maintained it for almost 20 years now. They just, they continue to tell the same story, even though the things around kept changing. Let me get to my message. Uh, let me not stay on this one too long. I'm going to explain to you something to you. The whole world lies under the power of the evil one. They don't tell the truth. That's why you have to pay attention to the word of God. The world does not tell the truth. They don't tell the truth. They don't tell the truth. Please bear that in mind. So now, back to the point I'm going to make. So they don't study the effects of faith. If we study things, these are real things. That's why I digress into that. Faith is a tangible substance. Actually, the effect of faith can be demonstrated. It can be. The effect of unbelief can be scientifically proven. The effect of the life of Christ, if you bother to study it, you will see it. Bear it in mind. We're not just discussing things that are just a matter of the way we feel. No. Faith is a spiritual substance. We can release it. Now, notice this again. Let's just, as a reminder, without it, what God wants to do does not work. Faith is like the oxygen that needs to keep the fire of God burning. Do you get my point? Yeah, that's how it is. God sets a fire. He kindles a fire of good. He kindles a fire that says, okay, let this fire bring good into the land. If there is no faith there, the fire dies out. The, it's like the oxygen that is necessary to keep the fire burning. So, God is careful. In fact, the other day, one of my kids, I saw him carrying a big bug. You know a bug? B-U-G, bug. An insect. A big black insect. I don't know where he got it from. He dropped it inside a container. Covered it. A pl- small plastic bottle. A pet bottle. And then, what was the next thing they were doing? Everybody was struggling to put holes into the tiny bottle. Why? Because even the young children understood that if this thing doesn't get air, it will die. Are you getting what I'm going to say here? That's how it is. Oxygen. It has to breathe. It has to breathe. Anytime God wants to do something, even he is careful. The way my son was careful to make sure he gives his... I said, what is this? He said, my science project in school. So he was taking it to school. He said, this thing must not die before I get to school. So let's put holes in the bottle so it will have air. In the same manner, when God wants to do something, he is careful to be sure that there's oxygen. So when Jesus, they called into a house where a little girl had just died. He found that the oxygen there, the carbon dioxide level was too high, counteracting the, the effect of the fire of God. So you know what he did? God is story in Mark chapter 5. He put everybody out. Let's just open there quickly. I've not forgotten our Jeremiah. We're still going to go there. In case you are suspecting that I forgot. Trust me. I didn't. Because we have many things to read. Now verse 35. While he was still speaking, they came from the house of the synagogue officials saying, Your daughter has died. Why trouble the teacher anymore? But Jesus, over hearing what was being spoken, said to the synagogue official, do not be afraid any longer. Only keep on believing. You know, I, I, no, that's, that's actually what he said. And he allowed no one, now notice this, and he allowed no one to accompany him except Peter and James 
and John, the brother of James. They came to the house of the synagogue official, and they saw a commotion and people loudly weeping and wailing. And entering in, he said to them, Why make a commotion and weep? The child has not died, but is asleep. Verse 40. They began laughing at him. They began puffing carbon dioxide into the spiritual atmosphere. They began depleting the place of oxygen, spiritually speaking. Now, are you getting my point? So, what did he do? He had to respond to this environmental pollution. So, putting them all out, he took along the child's father and mother and his own companions and entered the room where the child was. Did you see what he did? He had told the father, keep on believing. I want to add a a, a sentence to it. Let me just add this to it. He saw the mother. He knew that she was not releasing unbelief. Her desire for her child was strong. So it was good. Then he brought three people. Chosen from amongst his twelve. He said, you guys go with me. So there were only, apart from the dead child, there were only six in the room. You know what he did? He depleted the place of unbelief. And charged the atmosphere With what? Faith. Listen to this. He could not have raised the child if he didn't do like that. Not because he didn't have the power, but because that's how spiritual things work. Do you get my point? Why didn't he just say, okay, all of you are laughing at me. All of you are laughing. When this child rises up, she will stop laughing. Watch. The child will have stayed dead. So what did he do? He said, Let's, I'm not here for a show. I want to help somebody. These people laughing, they are going to spoil it. So let us create the ambience of faith. We talked about this before on our Total Faith series. Let's create the ambience of faith in which we can work. So he put all the people spitting spiritual carbon dioxide into his face. He put them out. And he retained only those who were cooperating with his faith. You know what I want to emphasize? Even God cannot do anything if there is no faith in the air. Something we all know. Just trying to remind us of it again. They brought a man to him. The man was blind. What do you want? I want to see. He said, let us leave this place. Again, I'm amplifying it now. The unbelief in the air is too too strong. Let's go outside where there is less unbelief. There are two things. One, I said it before, unbelief it's not the absence of faith. Unbelief it is, is a force in itself, in itself. Just like faith is a force in itself. So you have to tackle both. I don't know whether you're getting my point. You have to tackle both sides. There is faith. Does not mean things will work. Unbelief may kill it, even though faith is there. So that is why we don't only introduce faith, we deplete what? Unbelief. We, the two of them must balance in, a, in such a manner that the end result is that faith is present. If you need 100 units of faith in a place, it is possible you put 100 units of faith and you put 50 units of unbelief. You have only 50 effective units of faith. You need to deplete the unbelief or triple the amount of faith. Now, that's going to scare you a bit. That will let you know, as I go on, that you have a lot of work to do. You see what I'm saying in a moment. We all have a lot of work to do. No matter what God wants to do, if that faith is not available, he will want to help, but he will not be able to help. So, 
the Bible says he went to his own hometown. All of this story from the book of Mark. The last one I quoted now is Mark chapter 8. The Mark chapter 6, we read the story that he went to his, home, his hometown and could there do no mighty work because of their what? Unbelief. Let's remind ourselves of these things. It's not as if God cannot work. Too much unbelief does not allow him to work. This is what I'm trying to teach in this season. Of course, all of these things I've said, we've learned them again and again. I mean, if you go and read our Total Faith series, it's all there. I talked about this ambience of faith. And then what I emphasized on was make sure you have an ambience of faith around you and generate an ambience of faith. That is, make sure that you always hang around where faith is and produce some faith around you. But what I want to emphasize this time around is that we all need to make ourselves generators of faith into the environment if we want God to bless a place that appears dark. Look at a continent like ours. Look at a country like ours. We want God to do something. Those who talk negatively are not just innocent commentators. They are generators of unbelief. Did you hear what I said? They are not just innocent commentators. They are people that actually poison the air. If you ever watch this Peter Obese clip, where the one he mentioned that his teacher at Kellogg's Business School told him that the major problem, he said the man finished speaking. Any questions, he put up his hand. He said, everything you talked about, the work projections, you didn't talk about Africa. The man basically told him, who cares about Africa? Listen, let me just say another thing here. Please, don't let anybody worry you about racism. I see that uh, white men like to discriminate. If you were white, you would discriminate against you too. <laughs> As a matter of fact, you also discriminate against other people. You do. I don't want to start mentioning names now. I'm just trying to emphasize something to you. Don't let anybody worry you with racism. As if Donald Trump is, a, is racist, so he's a problem. Donald Trump, is he racist? I strongly suspect he is. He calls Africa, African countries shithole countries. And I don't, I'm not angry with him. I don't know why people were angry with him. Why people were angry with him? I don't know why they were angry. I, I found it funny. First, of course, he wasn't talking for you to publish. publish. He was talking in a meeting. So why are these people from shithole countries coming to our country? And in my mind, what is, funny, what is, what is annoying about it? There's nothing annoying about it. Is it because he, what do we call it every day with our own mouth? We insult our country every day. And we are now, look, and you see, it's his so called shithole comment, his shithole comment eh, about our country is the result of the accumulated shit that we have been calling the country for a long time. Yeah, that's a matter of fact. And then one day it erupted in his own observation. It's not his fault. I, I was not angry with him for one over 10 of a second. It was just a comment the man passed, which is a reflection of uh, observation of what other people said about their own country. The Lord just helped him hear it. And he amplified it. What's the big deal? I wasn't angry with him. It's my country, so you cannot label me racist for agreeing with him. Is a man racist? For me, none of my problems. Racism, I don't, I don't like racism. I'm not saying I like it. Are you getting my point? But I don't see the way people see it. You know, the victim, the victim attitude about it, I, I, I observe it slightly differently. My reason is because, you see, a lot of people who are complaining, they are also racist in their own right towards people that they think are inferior to them. Now, why am I talking about that? You will see that the people who are looking down at you, which is what we call racism, they have their reasons. We gave them the reason. Are you getting my point? 
when Peter Obi said that thing, all right, he explained the reason. That's part of it I just want to bring up. The man explained the reason. He said that he gave the man a hundred dollars. He said, Do you have dollar money from your country there? The man said, Yes. So he gave him the man a hundred naira or a thousand naira or something like that. So the man said, All right, which one do you prefer? Peter B pointed at the hundred dollar. I prefer the hundred dollars. The man said, Why? Peter B started with calculation. Let us assume it was 200 naira at that time to the dollar. I don't know how much it was that time, but let's assume it was 200. He said, You see, 100 dollars times 200 is equal to what? 20,000. Right now, what I give you is a 100 naira note. So check it. I prefer 20,000 to a 100 naira. The man said, No, that's not what the problem is. The problem is not the volume of the currency. The problem is the faith you have in the unit it is stored in. That you have faith in the stability of the dollar. You don't have faith in the stability of the naira. That it is not the volume. That this thing you are telling me is not the reality. That if the Chinese man has money, he preferentially stores his money in his Chinese yen. If the European has money, the first choice of store of money is the euro. The British man has money. The first choice of store of his wealth is the British pound. The American has money. The first choice of store of money is the U.S. dollar. He said, but you Africans, when you have money, the first thing you think about where to keep your money is in a foreign currency. He said, the reason is that you guys have no faith in your own economy, and you expect me to invest in it. That is the reason why sometimes... You know, I see a man like Dangote, he's not a Christian, he's nothing, but because of any principles. I like him for the simple reason that he pours money into the economy. That's it. I like him for that. I, I won't, let me not mention too many n- names because they're not believers, but there's something I want to just bring out from it. There's one of these Nigerian richest men now, you understand? He's very wealthy. I'm not like his principles. I'm not like many of the things that he did. But there's something he did that one of my friends explained that he, he showed faith in Nigerian democracy and he paid him off. That there was a way he strategized his business. If one man had come out to say, fellow Nigerians, he, he would be wiped out. But once Abu Salami handed over to Obasanjo, you understand, and we started building the democracy on which we stay in now, the man invested a lot into the democratic structure the way it was, that if it failed, it would have been out. But it did not. So it paid, it paid him off big time. Now, please, I'm going to emphasize something here. All right? You find out, therefore, that, you see, I, I think I said the other time. If you check it, there are times you hear that Naira, um, the dollar weakens in the international market. You've heard that before. But it hardly ever reflects in how it affects the Naira. Look, there are times that, okay, like now, dollar is relatively scarce still now. Although it has improved. Our forex, our external reserve has really, really built up seriously now. So nobody's talking about it. And I told you, people only talk bad things. They don't talk good things. External reserve has, if dollar, uh, uh, um, petrol is going for $70 a barrel. We balance budget at $56. Is it $56 or $60? The other day, um, Kemi Adioshun explained that even if the oil price goes down, now, it doesn't affect us much because we balanced our budget at like $56 to a barrel. It was that time selling for almost $70. But no, it's not news anymore. 
But you know, if it drops down to 20, it will be news again everywhere. If you know where external results are hitting now, you will be surprised. Yeah, that's a matter of fact. And that day I heard the AFCC boss. He gave figures on how much money they recovered 2016, 2017. <laughs> You're talking something close to 500. Is it one year or two years he gave? One year. The Naira one was almost 500 billion Naira. But these things, they don't, there's no good news. They have to tell you that APC is not doing well. I'm not an APC man, in case you know. I'm a Nigerian man. You know, my own Ajip. You know what they call Ajip? You don't know Ajip? Any government in power, that's what I am. It's a Christian attitude. Once you are the government in power, I put my spiritual resources behind you, and I keep praying for you. Now, what was I trying to say? You notice with all, whatever improvement you have, you hardly have the Naira slide back much. Uh, how do I say it now? Unless an acute thing, you know what acute, like maybe today now, so the dollar is 350, and it suddenly became very, very scarce. And it pushes down to 500 in a week. Do you understand? It can slide back to 350 when things ease up again. Do you understand? But you see, I've seen this chart again and again. People will draw from 1976 till date. That is relative value of the Naira versus the dollar. And they will show that it's perpetually climbing. They will show that it's perpetually climbing. I know what they attribute it to. Bad government, bad management, bad everything. As if our economy, they will tell you that it was one Naira uh, to 75 Kobo. One dollar to 75 Kobo. That's 0.7 Naira to the dollar in 78, 79. And currently, it's 350, thereabout, all right, over like almost uh, close to 40 years. That's so the, the impression they try to give you is that, you see, 75 down, that's 0.75 to 350. That your economy has gone down by five, a factor of like 500. Now, I don't really search things. You know why? They have no meaning. But let me tell you the meaning I'm trying to bring out. Do you know why it continues to be like that? There is one simple reason. It is the way the spirits of men move. When the economy is buoyant and the dollar is cheap, everybody buys the dollar. When it's expensive, they fear that it's getting worse. They, they look for money and buy some more. If it becomes cheap, it's now cheap. They buy some more. No matter what happens, they keep on looking for the dollar. That their desire is in that direction. That is why there is nothing you can do one day to be 1,200. Listen to me. The economy will be still be as stable as it is right now. It, no, nobody's going to die. If it becomes a million, nobody will die. I don't know whether you're getting my point. It's nothing. It just reflects the trend, the flow of human beings. Where they are hurt. It's a matter of demand and supply. And that is why people are blessed. Listen to this. That's how they get, keep on getting richer. Because when America needs your money, you know what it does? He calls it quantitative easing. He goes into his press and prints $200 billion. He knows you will buy. It's technically worthless, but he knows you are going to buy it. The $100 bill is said to be number one export from the United States. I'm talking about the desire. So when you see somebody, so a country like United States, for them to be poor, it will take a long time. Why? Because the rest of the poor world keeps giving them their money. And it's a spiritual principle. I'm not angry with them. I'm never angry with anybody. Understand the spiritual principle. God decreed it. To him that has, 
more will be given. The one that does not have, the little he thought he had will be taken from him and invested in Bitcoin. <laughs> I, I wish you would understand human beings. That some people will sit down and manipulate all of these things. Like somebody said recently, he said they did not learn from Umana Umana. They did not learn from Plan Well. They did not learn from MMM. Who told you they would learn about Bitcoin? They will queue up with Bitcoin. They will, that's what they always do. It's quick and free money which they never get. It has not crossed their minds that they're never going to get it. What I'm teaching, the wisdom I'm going to explain to you is the principle of faith. So, people have so much faith. That man told um, Peter B. that day. That, that is the problem, Peter. It has nothing to do with the current value of your currency. It's the amount of faith you have in your country. It's the amount of faith you have in your country. It's not about the value of your currency. When God arose and said, let me show mercy to these people. You know what he did? He made it difficult for stolen money to cross the borders. It's now very difficult. If you steal a million dollars in Nigeria, it has to stay in Nigeria. If you want to carry it to Europe, carry it to America, please buy prison trousers because you are going to go to jail. That is why it's one of the reasons why one of the ways by which God helped us develop in a state like ours, a lot of people stole money from Abuja, from the state government, from different places. They don't have where to take it to. Keep it in the bank. BVN will collect it. EFCC is waiting. So they start buying land, building houses they don't need. <laughs> building hotels they can't run. And don't be angry. It is the economy that is running. Because every time you build a house, a few children will finish secondary school because of that house. A few children will get university fees paid because their father is a bricklayer there. He's a carpenter. God does not care. Like I keep on saying, he collects his money. There's nothing you can do. Money cannot be destroyed. <laughs> once, once you spend it, you've just created motion. So you build the house. What's the value of the house? $300 million. You don't know anything about money or house building. Look, that, money, that $300 million is people's school fees, house rent, clothing. Do you get my point? Health care. That's why they say recession, recession. Bricklayers in good did not know recession. They are building. They are painting. They are naked. I mean, the, the boys doing aluminum are always cutting window. <laughs> because all the money people stole can't go anywhere. It, it, do you understand my point? It's a favor from God. Before, you know what used to happen to all the money? It's gone to the U.S., gone to U.K., it's gone to France, and it's gone to the heaviest stealing country, Switzerland. They actually don't steal anything. They just wait. You bring the money, they give you a code. Many people die like that. They are, they are, they, their children don't even know that that is money. I'm telling you, they stole from the rest of, they stole from the poor countries for a long time. I'm not angry with them, please get me. The Bible says anger lies in the bosom of fools. That is, when you don't understand what's going on, you'll be flaring up. This is spiritual principle. That's how people used to impoverish themselves. Because of what? Lack of faith. 
around them. All of this I've described to show you how faith works. So Peter will be said that man told him that the guys forget this noise you are making. The main issue is that you don't have faith. Now I don't know whether I use the word faith, but I'm the one using the word faith now. You don't have faith in your own country. You don't have faith in your own economy. You don't have faith in your own future. You are asking me, what plans do I have for your future? You that's asking me, what faith do you have in it? What faith? That is why this is a personal thing. This is not scriptures. This is just me. This is how faith has applied in my life. That is why, at least for first degree, I considered it a personal sin. If I give a foreign country money to educate my children to get bachelors, for me it's a sin. There are PhD holders in Nigeria. I'm depriving them salaries. I'm depriving them employment. I carry my children to Europe, all kinds of European countries, some of them that can't speak half of the English that we can speak. Your child will first learn a foreign language before he can understand. Sometimes they create English-speaking schools with teachers that can hardly speak English. They can't pronounce the English words. Then you gladly give them $20,000, $10,000 in a year. Then when Bishop Oedipo says 700,000 naira for fees for a year, insult will start. The how many of his school, his, his, his church members can pay it? What kind of rubbish is this? You use their offering to build the school and they cannot even go there. I hope you don't talk that nonsense because it shows how, how ignorant you are. You don't know anything. You open your mouth and talk. You know, just be disgracing yourself publicly. And I'll just be looking at you and feeling sorry for you. Like I always say, if you and I join money to start a filling station, do you take fuel from, from there free? How much do you pay for the fuel? The cost of putting the fuel there. That is what you pay. The fact that you give an offering to build a university does not mean you go there free. Otherwise, it's not an offering, it's an investment. <laughs> People talk nonsense. You know, it, it pains me when you just, them, you know, you just see an adult displaying ignorance. It's like one of them says, sir, your trouser is down, pull it up. You know that kind of thing. Yeah, that's how embarrassed I am for them sometimes. I feel like, say, oh, God, this talk you are talking, come now, let us reason together. If you and I put money together and start a supermarket, how much do you pay for a loaf of bread in there? Is it not the price we are selling it? Do you say because you're a shareholder, you will not pay the price for the bread? You still will pay. Why? It is the cost of bread. It's not the cost of starting the filling station. Today, my son matriculated. So the HOD called the parents of his department and said, please, come to the site. I want to talk to you guys. So I went, sat with the other parents. He thanked us, welcomed us, and said, please, two things. That number one, please watch your children. That many of you don't realize that your children are young. And the good behavior they have at home, they may not have it on campus. Because they are young, there's a lot of influences and all of that. He explained, took time out, gave examples, and said, please, just come to the school. Come and see me. Call me anytime. Send me a message, I will reply you. Ask how your child is doing, I will check for you. He said, walk into their hostel unannounced. He discussed a lot of things. Very good advice. Second one, he now said, he said, please, for these children to be able to get to, to school, he said, university can't do everything and all of that. He said, please, I want you to buy a workstation for your child. That will help me. I'm not supposed to. He said, it's not your duty. 
He said, but they gave the facts. I don't know when federal government is going to bring money for us to buy. You have your children here. Just buy one. One parent asked, I said, how am I guaranteed my child will have once I pay for one? He said, just let me know the name of your child. And I guarantee you, he will always have a workstation when he needs to work. When he finished, because of that, I said, can I pass a comment? He said, go ahead. I told you that, parents. I said, how much is school fees here? 70,000 tuition in a year. I said, do you know why it's like that? Because federal government has paid every other thing. And they don't have money. I said, when you pay 700,000 in this department in Covenant University, Bishop Oedepo has also subsidized. He's the cheapest of the good universities in Nigeria. Anybody cheaper than him is likely not good. You know, what I've told you is a matter of fact. So please, do not be, don't feel bad that they are saying this. Education is expensive. I told them what Covenant University and such universities are charging is just the fair price to keep the school open. I gave the name of a university, a mission university in Nigeria, situated somewhere in the Middle Belt. I said the medical school, their fee is one point, it was 1.2. They were increasing to 1.5 million a year. And they can't pay salaries. And their mission school too. And their general overseer or prelate or bishop, whatever name they use, does not have a private jet. Yet they are much more expensive. They are do- almost double the price of covenant in other departments. But you don't know their name. You don't abuse their pastor. Someone say, Bishop, they put uses an offering, raises offering, and he builds a university. That is why you are paying that low. Tertiary education is just expensive. That's how it is. That's why I told you what I said. Like I said, it's a personal thing. But my, my daughter was telling me, he said, hey, Daddy, you say all of us must go to school here, Abby. Because all of us, you went to join the brother matriculating. So she entered UNEC campus today. And said, he, said, he said, all of us must go to this school. I said, yes, so. <laughs> He said, why? I said, I don't have to explain. I'm the daddy. You know, I just say the things <laughs> I want to say. He said, but what if I want to go and stay with I said, listen, my friend, you are still in GS2. Stop talking. We'll discuss this matter later. <laughs> I personally, I'm sorry, I'm not saying it's a sin to everybody else, but I personally, I have an objection. It's a personal thing to counting my Naira, exchanging for U.S. dollars, and go and pay fees outside Nigeria. I feel bad doing it. I think I'm demonstrating too much lack of faith. That's how I feel. Like I said, it's not your problem. I mean, it's not the same. Maybe you see life differently. People say, how much is it to deliver abroad? It ranges from $5,000 to $15,000 if you don't get a CS. I said, I will not pay anybody that money. I will walk over to Blessed Assurance, give him 70,000 naira. Which, if you break it down to naira, eh, to dollar, it comes to $200. I will go to Parkland and give them the $200. I will go to UNTH, give them the $200. I will not buy the flight ticket and give the white man $5,000. And we are saying that naira is, exp- is, is, is weakening. Why won't he weaken? People say, you know, a facility is better. I say, listen, my friend, listen, his market is business. If you are willing to spend a thousand dollars, one thousand, one thousand, I will get you a gynecologist and a pediatrician and an anesthetist to deliver only your wife. Guaranteed. A thousand dollars. How much is that? Three fifty k. 
I will call an experienced gynecologist. I say, special delivery day, 150. The guy will say, ah, 150. <laughs> hey! The guy, ah, 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 no, no, ah, nothing happened, nothing spoiled. I said, you have to stay with the woman from the beginning to the end. They say, ah, why? Staying is my old job. <laughs> ah, I go and call a pediatrician. I said, you have pediatric education kit. He said, ah, we can hire one. Hire it, you will stay with this child. I'm giving you 50K. He said, is there anything wrong with the child? I said, no, my mom won't born. Ah! He said, children are my friend, you know. <laughs> now, so you go stay. I will get you an anesthetist to make sure your wife does not feel an iota of pain. And all of this for $1,000. They won't give it to you in America, trust me. So, what, what does it boil down to? Faith. That's what it boils down to. Faith. $5,000 is for a few states where things have been incredibly reduced so as to attract foreigners to come and deliver there. They know you are coming. Oh, yes. Otherwise, it's $15,000 they will charge you. So if you if can come up with $10,000, oh boy, give us two of it. Believe me. In fact, I'll make the obstetrician greet your child until he's one year old. <laughs> You think these Nigerian doctors don't like money? They will stay with you. Good morning, man. How is back paining you right now? You must be in circle. Ah, the guy could just check. I didn't know today 150 or more. Father, thank you for the day I became a gynecologist in Jesus' name. I'm telling you, you'll be happy. 150K. One day's job. Oh boy, you don't hammer. But you know, we don't do that. Proudly return. You know, I have my child in America. For me, Pekin and Pekin. Where you born are none of my business. <laughs> Listen, what that child is going to become in life is not affected in any way. Yes. All you American citizens are still are looking for a job. Dangote has advertised. Now go and check how many of them have, have applied. No, about two, three weeks ago, Dangote released advert for, his, for the petrochemical industry. Asking for, you can be sure that all of them, no, we online. Guys don't feel CV, tire from MIT, Stanford, all of them. They don't feel CV. And American citizens say, ah, Dangote has international money. Don't worry. Let me go and collect my portion. Listen to me. Let's get clear. It's a matter of faith. It's a matter of faith. There's nothing you are looking for that you can't find in many places that you have refused to look for them. What is my message? Let me get down to the main message. All of this is just preambling to get to the message. For you to understand what I'm trying to explain. Arise, shine, for your light has what? Come. If you and I will not pour faith into our environment, nobody else will. That's all I'm saying. Only Christians will arise and do some of these things I'm saying. They are the ones that will get up and lead by example. Sometimes when I say pastors do things, I say you don't understand your role as a pastor. That's why I told you, huh, I don't know, the, it will have to be a special dispensation which I will have to explain to everybody. If I don't know how it will happen, I'll have to explain to my wife, you want to deliver, okay, you are delivering within Nigeria. Why? Because those who are following me, what do I tell them? Being a pastor is not a joke. I told you, my friend in Sokoto Pastor Courage, when crisis was, when things were hot, people say, run. Hmm. He said, no, I can't. I'm a pastor. I have church members. He said, okay, send us your wife and your children. 
Some people volunteer to send in flight tickets. Put your wife, your kids, send them to us. We'll look after them and things are cooler. Listen, nothing wrong with that. I think it makes a lot of sense. But he made a statement. He said, what about the other wives and other children in the church? What do I do about them? That was the question. He said, what do I do about them? He told me, anybody wants to send tickets, I will give him the names of all the children in church. If you can send enough tickets, we will come. But if you expect me to just pick my own kids, what if you die in the process? I'm a soldier of Christ. Sometimes soldiers die. That is the warrior mentality that children... You know, so, listen, sometimes when I have to make some decisions, I think of such things. I say, God has not even demanded anything of me yet. So I told my kids, all of you, I don't care who is willing to offer you a scholarship to study outside Nigeria. I said, the way things are right now, you can't take it. I'm creating too much distortion in the hearts of those that listen to me. Pastors don't understand the kind of examples they're supposed to live by. You don't understand everything you do. is teaching those who are observing you how you react to situations. One brother told me the other day, it was a serious compliment. He just said to me, I have been a blessing to his life. That was last year. Thanking me for the relationship and all of that. He said, I even observe how you react to disappointments. Because I'm supposed to catch a plane, you know, a flight or a boat or something, and I miss it, and it's there. He said, I even observe how you react to disappointments. Somebody like, hey, how do I tell this man that he has missed this thing? Just come, oh, God, look at the situation. I said, no problem. How many hours wait do we have to wait? That would be three hours. I said, no problem. I have my phone. Let me be browsing. Let me be reading. He noted it. He noted it. So now I hear pastors talk. I shake my head. I shake my head. Things are happening in the country. You are supposed to cool people's tempers down. You're not the ones that will be standing them up for war. You are the one that's supposed to help them calm their nerves, cool them down, relax. I told you what my mother said once. God gave me that favor. I didn't even know. Until years later, she said, you have a way of putting people's minds at rest. I was going for NYC. She had never heard of Taraba State. When I arrived at home, she said, where were you posted? I said, Taraba State. She said, Taraba, Kilonjebe. (laughs) For those of you who don't know what that means, it means what is so called. She didn't say, where is that? He said, what is so-called? He said, so what are we going to do? I said, what we are going to do? What she meant was that, how do we get a change? Who do we talk to? It's not now that you can choose three places. I served, I went to camp in 1992. So not yesterday. Then, federal government will just send you your posting. That is your own. It's your portion in Jesus' name. Amen. That's it. There's nothing... (laughs) To change it, process. I said, what are we going to do? I said, said, we? There's no we in this matter. I I am going and I'm packing a bag. Tomorrow morning, I'm on my way. I have a camp to go to. She was so distressed. Years later, she reminded me of that. She said, you have a way of putting people's minds at rest. Said that day, I was so worried. What I'm going to say, if you're a pastor, you know, being a pastor 
actually is not a good job. It's a stressful job. It's these days that will turn into a good job. Every year, pastor's appreciation, we gather money, buy something. So everybody's waiting for promotion to be pastor. No, that is it now. That, look, once you say you're a general overseer, you are generally overseeing a lot of things. You are generally overseeing a lot of money. You are generally overseeing a lot of cars. You are generally overseeing from above, you know, you are flying, you are landing. You are generally overseeing first class tickets. That is a bad thing. I didn't say so. You see, you hear that kind of from my mouth? I'm just saying that's why a lot of people now think that I go to Bible school, I get promoted one day or more. You were telling me just now how people kill cow. They have been ordained deacon in a church. You know, that's in the West, you said. Yes. In Redeem. Redeem. RCCG, Western Nigeria. So when they make them deacon, eh, cows, they die. <laughs> Celebration galore. You know why? I forgot to give you the answer. It's their own chief tenancy title. <laughs> you know, say, I know people, from, I know my people from that side. To them, it's a chief tenancy title. When they now ordain the peer person, assistant pastor, two cows. When I'm making full pastor, ah, Sonia Day must come church. Because we think it is promotion. The fact is that it is labor. It's a sacrifice. As a matter of fact, it's a sacrifice. It's supposed to be things that you could have enjoyed, you can't enjoy them anymore. You get to church, you notice that a lot of your young men, they are struggling to, maybe to use the latest devices. They are struggling to update their phones every year. Now you will hear the word of the Lord come to you saying, Man of God, he said, yes, God of man. <laughs> what do you want me to do? Say you will use that phone for four years and make sure they keep seeing it. Be an example of contentment. Say they buy you a new one, sew it in the offering basket. When they see you do it three times, they won't buy you another one. Yeah, God expects that sometimes. Say, say teach them contentment. Say I want you to wear the same shirt to church. Five Sundays in a row. Even if you have 20, wear the same one. Five Sundays. Why? Say some of your boys now think that changing shirt is a sign of progress in ministry. Don't change that suit. Just let them get into their heads. I told you, being a prophet, they've been like that for a long time. God will will not send them, they will run. They prophesy for their own pockets. So there's nothing new going on in town. The real prophets of the Bible, when God calls them, sometimes they'll say, Lord, um, you sure? I'm a small boy. You know, I don't know this job. Who was that one they called? Is he a He said, no, I'm not even a prophet. I'm a shepherd. <laughs> he said, I'm not even a prophet. No, be, being a minister, listen, there are things you do. I, I said, you know, look, doing what some certain jobs for God puts a kind of discipline on you. There are some kinds of enjoyment you cannot enjoy. Enjoyment in quotes, because there's no enjoyment inside. It's all vanity. Every time you just be running abroad, say, I want to go and rest, I go abroad. Is it bad? No. Sometimes you're a pastor, you don't go anywhere. You tell everybody, I'm going to rest. Where? There's one hotel in Okunan. It's very quiet. You're just trying to make a point to people that don't put yourself under stress. That's what I mean by personally. I have a duty to inject faith. And I'm calling all of you listening to me. It is time to inject faith into the environment. 
Many people brag about Dubai. They've never been to Abuja. Dubai, Dubai, Dubai. Buy ticket, go to Abuja. Spend that Dubai money in Abuja. Abuja is a fine place. Go to Calabar. You want to cool your head down, go to Budu. Just say this money, let me, send, let me spend it locally. Take pride in some things that are just locally made. Now, for the simple reason that faith, now it's not, listen to me, I'm talking from the spiritual dimension. You now say, why did you read Jeremiah? You know, I've said I'm going to come back to it. I read Jeremiah to show you something. If you see what we read in Jeremiah, what happened there? Now, before then, God had given Jeremiah all kinds of prophecies. How he was going to destroy the land. How the land was going to be devastated and destroyed by the king of Babylon. How Nebuchadnezzar would come and carry them away as captives. And Jeremiah knew that it would happen. That's you know, I jumped a lot. Okay, Details on the calamity that was going to come. And at that point in time, the calamity had started. He had prophesied for years that it would happen. The things he prophesied for years that would happen had not started. They now switched prophecy. And said, you see, this place is becoming desolate. According to God's word, it's going to become a desolate land. A land of jackals. This is the kind of problem you are going to have in the land. He said, but watch this. I am going to invest 20 pieces of silver in buying land. I will sign the deed. I don't know whether you are getting my point. He said, why? I want you to know that this land that is becoming desolate is going to be fruitful again. He said, it will take a long time. It's going to be 70 years. He said, listen, that is why I need the deeds packaged and sealed in a place that will outlast that 70 years. Why am I investing 20 pieces of silver? So that you people will know that I am not joking. I don't know whether you are getting the point. This is a land that war was taking over. This is a land that has been uprooted. This is a land where everything was going to be scattered. This is a land that was going to become desolate. Then the man began to invest in the same land. <laughs> Do you get the point? The man began to invest in that same land. What was he trying to say? He was saying, in fact, listen, because it was a prophetic operation anyway. God told him, this is what will happen. Houses will be bought in this place. It will be built in this place. Land will be bought. People will do commerce here again. They will exchange land and all of that. They say, so invest now. I assume that his cousin that came to sell to him. Now, for those who don't understand, the way God did it is this. Just to get it clear. He shared the land into the 12 tribes. You understand? And then each tribe, there are times you had to sell your land. Because maybe you need money or something. You were not allowed to sell it. You were supposed to sell it as much as possible to a close relative. So that it will remain the land of your own tribe. Yeah. So if, for example, he was from Anathoth. If you check the beginning, Benjamin was from Anathoth. So his cousin said, all right, you have the first, in modern business, they call it first refuser. All right, so it's only when you don't accept to buy that I'm allowed to go somewhere else. I assume the cousin said, let me go and say to Jeremiah before this land becomes what? Useless. He was surprised that the Lord had told Jeremiah, the guy will come and offer you the land. I want you to buy it. And the man said, why will I buy land? Are you not the one telling us that we're all going to be kicked out of here? He said, yes. You will buy it, you will be kicked out. But keep your deeds. Keep the rights of the land. Because one day, you will return and it will still be your own. So that's why Jeremiah said, seal it for me. Both the open one 
and the closed one. Put it in jars that can last. Keep it for me as a sign to the people that what I'm telling you, I believe it. I hope I can what I'm explaining. That is, what I'm telling you, I believe it. I'm saying good will come to this land. He said, what do you mean? Are you not the one that prophesied evil? I'm now I'm prophesying good. The evil has come. And by the time a man wastes 20 pieces of silver to buy a plot of land, essentially saying to you in effect, and you will believe it, I am not joking. I don't know whether you are getting my point here. He's saying to you, I am not joking. When I make decisions in life, I realize what it means as a person. Because of what I preach, there's nothing I preach to you I don't believe. A friend of mine, you know, someone, someone, a minister I, I got to know, they up there, called North. Say when he got to Sokoto, not Pastor Corridor, another pastor. That every Friday, the southerners would go and hang around the barracks, expecting what? Trouble. They did business, they didn't own any house, they were all tenants. So, him, people like my friend, Pastor Corridor, they started preaching to them. How can you be here and not own a land? Now, let me add my own words. Did you not read that? Jeremiah said, when you go to Babylon, buy houses, plant vineyards, take um, wives for your sons, and then give your daughters out in marriage. That make sure you increase and you don't diminish. That's what he told Jeremiah told them when they would get to Babylon. So we're just, I'm just adapting it now. He said, how can you be here and be like this? That was when they began to get courage. They began to gather courage and began to buy land, began to build houses, and began to own streets. Why? Because before then, they just assumed that eh, one day there will be trouble, and we will run, and somebody will take our land. Somebody will take our houses. And like I can tell Christians, now listen to this. Christians, listen to this. I'm talking about the power of faith. Is, it, is there a possibility that you will buy land, somebody will take it? Yes. Is there a possibility that they will take the house? Yes. Is there a possibility they will, you will set it on fire? Yes. But you see, we are children of God. The Bible says, be renewed by the, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The mind is how you see things, how you interpret things. For us, the house there is not, I have acquired property. Not for my children. No, for us, it's beyond that. For us, we are taking possession of a land. I don't know whether you're getting my point. That's what we are doing. So anytime I'm doing it, I'm making a statement in heaven that of the increase of his government and of peace, there shall be no end. Are you getting my point? I came to a new group. People expected that. Go to, your, uh, go to your hometown. Go and buy land and start building a house. I said, who will stay there? My, my father tell you that I didn't have a house to stay. If my father didn't have, believe me, I would have built one for him. God gave me the resources. But that's for him. But for me as a person, I said, when did I tell you I'm going back to those state to go and live there? I said, such projects are done with pocket change. You know, this kind of thing like, ah, get, I just get one kind of careless 25 million. Nothing to do with it. That's, I have another 250. <laughs> I said, beyond that, they don't do such things like that. Except you have something else that's going on in your mind. I told everybody, nobody's driving. This is no good way I come. Nam the can cannot shift me. He can't. Nobody can shift me. Are you getting my point? Now, I shouldn't say that with my mouth alone. I'll finish preaching that. Then you hear me talking on the phone. I had to deliver the 10, 10, 10 trailers of uh, 
cement. Say yes. I said, Pastor, what's happening? Building a house. Yes. Behind my father's room. <laughs> Just all this one you are preaching. And you are a tenant here. All that one you are preaching, you don't believe it. Arise, shine. The first area where Christians must shine is with their faith. That's the point I'm making today. It's with their faith. People say, what is the future of this country? Say, it is bright. Say, how do I know? I just invested. I bought land last week. We bought machines. What are you making? We're making blocks. It doesn't look like a big thing, but we started doing something. Ah, this country, what is going to happen? Say, good is going to happen. What do you mean? Ah, <laughs> the day God blessed me with some money. My friends and I will just join hands together. We bought one land, so and so area. We are fencing it right now. Uh, we are starting a particular factory. We are going to be making just anything. I don't know what to say. You just meanwhile, people are looking for money. You know, some Nigerians behave no, not Nigerians. Human beings sometimes they behave like morons, spiritual morons. You know, they call it spiritual moron. A confused person who money is not letting things straight. Do you know a lot of our Nigerian people? They will sit down here and a lot of money laboring in Nigeria. Then package that same money. Buy U.S. dollars. Buy euro. Carry their wife, their children, and go and drop them over there. Then remain here and keep on laboring. And keep sending to them and say, please stay over in North America, in Canada. I will live here. I will keep laboring and sending you money. Why? Listen, such people, I hate it when they pray. It irritates me. There's no point praying. You don't, you, first thing you should do is contribute faith. You are milking the land. You are a bad person. Go to U.S., go to Canada, go and work there. What is wrong with that? I have no problem with it. I have good friends who live all over the, all over the world. But go there and go and labor. I think you are a mean and wicked person. When you will sit down with your mouth, run down the future of the place where you are staying, then you are digging the same place, drilling the water, drilling the, um, the, the minerals, drilling the resources, draining it, and you can't be blessed. You're a wicked soul. You are evil. You are an evil person. If you believe so much in the future, then go. There is nothing wrong with it. All of us, and look, listen. I wasn't born in Enugu. I crossed the river to reach it. So you can cross the ocean to go wherever you want to go. But I don't think it is right. You are, you are, you are, you are, you're, you're technically a kind of thief. You're just as bad as every other person that plundered the country and then blamed the white man while you're taking your own hands to deliver the resources into the hands of somebody who is blessed. Materially speaking now. Listen, being a Christian is not a joke. It's everything you do. It's everything you do. It is everything you do. I'll give you some facts and figures. I think, as of today, okay, let me not be too, let me not give you that fact. Do you know most Nigeria, most doctors trained by Nigeria, something between 40 and 50% of them practice in the United States, uh, Australia, um, UK, and let me just like, they practice in North America and United Kingdom. Do you know that? that over the last many years, a good, something between 40 and 50%. Yes, they practice abroad. Now, you say, what are you talking about? I'll tell you. When I'm teaching students, sometimes I tell them, when they complain about the country, they say, stop complaining. You, you, you are not, you're annoying me. You know I hate complainers. 
I hate complainers, especially about the country. The reason is because the people are too ungrateful. They are too ungrateful. I tell them, I said, this is the reason. If you were an American citizen, you're not likely to be able to come to this school. Why? It's too expensive. Your parents couldn't afford it. You probably would have to go and get a student loan. My friend, he lives in the U.S. He came the other day. He and I were gisting. He said something. Like, he writes in the U.S. We're talking about it. He said, when you finish residence, we're talking about a number of things, about choice of uh, specializations, uh, choice of specialties and all of that. He said that when you finish residence in America, he said most Americans, that is those born in America, American citizens, do you understand, who grew up there, who went to school in America, he said you see them for the next many years, they are driving Toyotas, uh, maybe Ford, give me another common American car, Chrysler's, you know, Cars that are not expensive. My friend talking drives a BMW. All right? He said, but you see the Nigerian, the Nigerian doctor, when he finishes, he starts finishing residency, he gets a job. He said he picks a Lexus, a BMW. He drives a BMW, a Mercedes-Benz. He said they pick the top cars that's befitting of their status as what they call an attending physicians. He said, do you know why? He said, Banky, because they are not owing anybody anything. Federal government educated them free of charge. He said, but the American citizen is up to his nose in student loan. He's in debt. He's owing so much money that for the next 10 years after he becomes a specialist, he's paying back money with which he went to school. That's why I can't buy a BMW. That's why I can't buy a Mercedes. That's why I can't buy a Lexus. He's forced to stick with a small Toyota. So you see him, American citizen, he packs his Toyota Camry. That's what his nurses use. He said, but you see the Nigerian guy, educated in Nigeria, moved over to the U.S., he packs a Mercedes-Benz. He said, do you know why? He's not paying any loans. Do you know why he's not paying any loans? UNEC charged him 60000 naira a year for school fees. How much is that in dollars? $200 a year. Where the money come from, I'll tell you, federal government's pocket. And as soon as it's done, the first opportunity is going to cross the border. The same medicine he lent in Nigeria is what they practice in America. He reads the book. He passes the exams. Do you understand? He becomes a resident. Four years later, he's a specialist. Where did most of the money to train him come from? Nigeria. And you're asking me, why is Nigeria poor? Are you seeing what I'm talking about? What have I taught you? Is this spiritual lessons? Or economics? Or sociology? But I've just used all of those things to explain to you what faith is about. And why, as, a, as, as Christians, we must be different. Re, look, you re, for example, if you are abroad, you listen to this. Just know you owe the country a lot. That's what I'm saying. Just know you owe a lot. Pay back student loan. <laughs> yes, he said, how do I pay back? It's not a problem. Gather responsible people, start a factory back in Nigeria and fund it. Own 50%. Let your friends locally own 50 You've paid back your student loan. Find out two or three students who want to go to school and fund them from beginning to the end. You have paid back your student loan. I don't know whether you're getting my point. Come back home to your hometown, to your village. They won't know why. 
donate a town hall. Don't donate another stupid church. Are you, are you getting my point? You see, it's this other, they just build stupid cathedrals that nobody needs. Villagers cannot even maintain. No, go there. Donate a town hall to them. Help them start a social, you know what they call social business. Something that they can sustain. They won't know what you are doing. What you are doing, technically, you are paying back what? A loan. Because whether you like it or not, we drain a lot of Nigerian government resources. If you see anybody going to a federal university, a federal polytechnic, believe me, federal government is severely... In fact, it's free education. It is free education. And forget all the noise they make. I hope you know those schools are still very good. Oh, forget all the noise they make. The schools are good. And the schools are gone down. Ross, trust me. Let their graduates finish. Give them G maths also. All these foreign exams. They also read, brush up for a few months. They blast the exam. They go to MIT. They go to Harvard. They go to Yale. They go to Princeton. They go anywhere. They come down with decent masters. I don't know whether they're getting my point. What have I taught today? Let me just explain. Let me, let me summarize it so I can close. What I've taught is that without faith, there is no progress. And I'm challenging believers. I know I'm really, really getting, you know, practical about the environment. What am I saying? Arise and what? Arise and what? Arise and what? Arise and what? Shine. And the first place we shine is what? Faith. First place is faith. The faith that we put into the environment determines what God can do in the environment. Now, I told you once, I've, I, 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 if it was possible, I would look up to God and say, God, sorry, you. I felt, I felt like feeling sorry for the Lord. That you mean you can bless a people like this? You have worked very hard. Believe me, God has worked very hard to keep a nation like ours blessed. Why? You talk to the average person. What is the manifestation of faith around? They are not patriotic. patriotic. They are not. Everybody looking for, let me milk my portion. Yeah. As soon as you bless them small, the blessing means I cannot escape to where the land is good. Sometimes they milk the land that is bad to fund a lifestyle in the land that is good. And I'm saying faith matters. Let us release faith. When you're talking, talk faith. When you're explaining things to people, do you understand? Let faith come out of your mouth. There was a day, they asked uh, the tall reverend, <laughs> that's our brother Yinka. It was on radio, I was driving past and I heard him on radio. It was on um, Urban Radio that day. And you know, in fact, you know, at the point in time, somebody asked whether this man is a government agent. I don't know whether it was on radio or afterwards that he asked, are you sure this man is not a government agent? What was the reason? Because they will say something negative, everybody's negative. And then he will calm the people down. And he will explain. Try to make sense out of what God, the government is doing. And let me just say something as a matter of fact. Okay, Every day, government is trying its best. I'm not saying you like it. But I'm giving you as a matter of fact, believe it. As a group, that is, there are, in, there are criminals everywhere. There are governors that they are, they are on drugs, you know. Some of them, they, they, you don't know what they think. Let me not mention anybody's name because I'm thinking of some people right now. You wonder, you understand? <laughs> but as a group, you know, like a country like ours, federal government as an example, 
I can assure you of one thing. Sometimes I talk to the ministers. You hear the ministers talk. The people are trying their best. They're not doing what you think they should do. You t- if they did what you thought they should do, they will be doing the opposite of what the next guy thought they should do. So right now, they are doing what some people also think they should do. You just don't agree. Now, so life be. One day, Bishop and I were talking. He said, you know, what I think Buhari should do, I said, Bishop, have you, have you heard it? What do you think? Who, to- who told you he's listening to you? <laughs> are you in his cabinet? <laughs> are you getting my point? As a matter of fact, you may be abusing FCC. Every day they are trying to catch the people stealing money. Amongst them, there are criminals. Look, in a soul life, be. Judas too followed Jesus now. Was he not stealing the money of Jesus? So the fact that you found one person in the FCC who's stealing money doesn't mean that as a group, they actually are not trying to end corruption. But you know, you've heard my doctrine on it. Corruption cannot be ended by EFCC or by President Buhari. The only people that can end corruption is what? The church. That's it. The pastors. They're the only ones. Nobody else can do it. And it's very simple. Go to church every Sunday. Catholic church, Anglican church, Baptist, Methodist, Pentecostal, anyone. At the end of the, of the service, saying, Jesus, name, Lord, thank you for all the offering today. Everyone giving from stolen money is hereby rejected in the realm of the Spirit in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs> That's what the amen go. go. You know, go loud. <laughs> do that every Sunday. For one year, you'll be amazed. Say, today, if you like the money, you can still do what I want to do. Collect your stolen money, but still do what I want to say. <laughs> Father, I will thank you for today's offering. I want the congregation of the people of God to know that every offering given today from stolen money is not accepted by the Lord. You've collected it to only you yourself. What? He <laughs> <laughs> said, those who give it, may they be forgiven, but they will not be blessed by it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And next Sunday, may they not bring stolen money to this church in the name of Jesus. All right, greet your neighbor. Say, neighbor, <laughs> I hope your offering is acceptable to the Lord. <laughs> Do that every Sunday. No, look, thank you. That, you see, that is our problem. You know, they said offering go reduce. That is what some pastors don't want. No, I've heard it before. Even if it is blood money, bring it. We know how to wash it with bigger blood. Bring the stolen money, it is sanctified unto the Lord. Say, it's the work of God, isn't it for? They will quote all kinds of scriptures. That is why corruption has not ended. Yes, they can't end it. Only the church can end it. What am I saying? That day on radio, you know, I digress into that. I was hearing Inka talk on radio. In fact, twice I stumbled into the program. Both times. I wish you would listen to him one of those programs. You know, most of, many of you listen to Okemote when he's teaching Bible. That one, Inka doesn't teach Bible on radio. He talks current business affairs, you know, government affairs. You know, and he just, like when they say Iranians wanted to build a uh, hospital in, in um, Enugu. The whole of Enugu said it's Islamization. So... So, during uh, Urban Radio called you and can say, Come, I heard they want to Islamize through this thing. What is happening? He sat down again and explained to everybody this is how it came about. It is not an Iranian government business. It is just that the hospital is owned by Iranian citizens who do business in the Middle East. And when they are going to a foreign country, their diplomats must accompany them for, to make things proper. So, people started calming down. Okay. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I said, this is what I'm talking about. He is not afraid of Islamization. As far as I'm concerned, if the Iranians come, now I've told you. 
by the time you are done, your men will be speaking in tongues. You will by yourself carry them and go back home. It's too late by that time. I'm not afraid of Islamization. I know the power of my own Christianity. Come here. You can't tell us not to do Bible study. Start fellowship. We start inside the place. He said, hey, this is Nigeria. We pray by 12 o'clock. The Catholics will do Angelus there. Anglicans will do their own here. Pentecostal is 4 p.m. Staff. He said, but they are supposed to be walking. He said, only those who close by 4. We join the fellowship 4 to 4.30. Our guy Iranian, you are invited. We'll even start union about it. How our guys don't come for fellowship. They don't love the Lord. I'm not afraid of Islamization. Are you getting my point? A few times I heard him already. I said, look, this is what I'm talking about. Believers, go out there. Don't let them teach you what is negative. They are lying to you. Most of the information they give, they are lies. You go them and teach them truth. Only faith will help you understand truth. Next time government brings up a project, you know, government brought up many projects, people miss out. You know, when you first started, they have made up their mind who they want to give. They don't, after some people want to first round, eh? second round, some people, eh? I bet this thing is working, they've lost a number of rounds. Many people don't know that federal government gives loan for building house. You can build your own house with federal government loan at an interest rate of 6%. Most people don't believe in it. Yes, yeah, 6%. What do you need to qualify? Simple. Walk up to the federal government gate bank, register that you're a worker, and start donating 1,000 naira a month. It's 500 naira actually. I just said 1,000 because I know you can do 1,000. Okay, put 5,000 there a month. In less than a year, you qualify to borrow money to build a small bungalow. Do you realize it's possible? Most people don't know government has something like that going. They don't realize that if you really have, if you have a solid idea, solid one, and you have a track record that shows you can handle some things, Nigeria Industrial Bank will give you as much, they'll give their money in hundreds of millions. In fact, they have a minimum. Has it arrived? Eh? What is the minimum? If you, can you hear me? What's the minimum they give? No, no, industrial bank. No, if, if I will have asked Rocket for that one now. Eh? Bank of Industry, yes. Oh, they've come down to one million. See, I didn't even know that, you see. As high as what? You hear that? You say I hire one billion. No, no, yes, they, and they give out this money all the time. They give out this money all the time. But some people sitting at home, nothing going on. Good things are happening, oh. <laughs> I'm just begging you, don't let it pass you by. Hey, I do, Olayinka, we have to do a business seminar in this kingdom place. Where are you? Come, 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 come inside. Amen. Very soon, too. You hear you, Dejuku, saying amen. Because what I'm saying so is that many people don't know what it takes to qualify. You can't just come out from joblessness and apply for 500 million. Will you give yourself? <laughs> if you were the loan officer, will you give to yourself? No, think about it. Will you give yourself? Well, you have to create a track record from selling garden egg. I'm serious. From blending tomatoes. Create a track record. Get a bank account. Get a TIN number. Alayanka, what do they call that? It's TIN now. Yes. No, I'm, no you see, it sounds funny. Oh, look, look, look. Let me do my business seminar. Alayanka, come, come, come. Come and stay here. Bring him a chair. 
Please give me five minutes on my business seminar. Hey, you, now you go sit down. Sit down. So we need to get what? 18 number. <laughs> Must you pay a million naira to pay tax? No, sir. 200 naira, no be tax? Yes, yes. Good. Yes, but the important is that it's a record. Create a track record that shows you are working. Create a tra- track record that you are doing business. Even all you are doing is buying something and selling. Open a bank account, pass your money through it, give more government their small. They are not asking for. How much are they asking for? It's not. Even if you are selling books, you don't pay VAT. You say if you are selling books, you don't pay VAT. Or you are selling medicine or food. If you are selling medicine, you are selling food, you don't pay VAT. There are things, but the important thing, you have to have a record that you have been doing business. One day you carry your record, go. In, 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 Bank of Industry. No, you know what I'm going to explain to you? There is good happening. Yes. That's all I'm trying to say. There is good happening. Release faith into the environment. Look, we must teach people how to create a track record, a track record that they are doing business. Because Bank of Industry will not listen to you if you come and say, I have an idea that you know we can just... They will look at you. You can just... You can just... Which one have you just said before? They're not going to listen to you. No, really. People of God, I'm serious about this. We have to pour faith into an environment. I, I, I feel so strongly that God says, Banky, I want to bless people. But they can't hold the blessing. There's nowhere to pour it into, into their lives. They are not even expecting anything. My message to you today is, listen, people of God, God is depending on you to pour faith into this country, to pour faith into the continent. One day, one of our brothers made a mistake. He sent to our chat group a luxury bus that was attacked by robbers. They said, Fulani has men. And I saw corpses on the road and all of that. So people said, what, what is going on in this country? Somebody now said, excuse me, that picture is seven years old. Sure. Yes. Yeah. And that said, it was first published. He gave dates, in fact, gave links to when it was first published. And I asked a simple question, which I'm going. I said, even if it was current, what are you, CNN? I said, what is our chat group, Calamity News Network? I said, have you not read that it said, how beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those that bear good tidings? Are you getting my message? Have you not read that he said, how beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those that bear what? Good tidings. I said, is this good tidings? Now, this point, I mean, let me just end with this. I want to ask of you, listening to me, stop forwarding bad news. You are not only spreading deceit most of the times. What you are doing is that you are killing people's faith. What are you? Did you hear what I said? You are killing people's faith. Are you working for God or working for the devil? They say dollar used to be this. It is now this. But do you know how many houses have grown in Enugu since that time? Has the country refused to develop because of that? Why do you forward things around that have an evil tone to them? You are sowing a seed for your own destiny. That's what I'm telling you. Let not that device in your hand that God gave to you as an instrument of blessing, you now become an agent of Satan. Every negative thing, you forward it. What you are doing is you are amplifying unbelief in the air. You are amplifying unbelief in the air. I'm charging you today, amplify faith. Only spread what is good. 
What will encourage people? Only spread it. Let us populate our atmosphere. Let us fill our atmosphere with the faith of God. Because if we don't, the good he wants to do, he will not be able to do. Jeremiah bought land to show that he had faith that good is coming to his land. Next question, what are you buying? <laughs> yeah, you say, what do you mean by what are you buying? Where are you putting your effort? Let me re- end with this story. Our sister asked me, I need to invest a lot of millions of naira into this city. But the city is so unstable. I said, my sister, invest it. Is it possible you lose it? There's a possibility. I said, but if you don't do it, stop praying for the city. Your prayer is not working. Did you hear what I said? I said, if you don't do it, stop praying for the city. Stop praying for the city. Your prayer is not working. As I go on, I'm going to challenge everybody. Enough of idleness. What did I say? Yes. Arise and do what? Shine. Shine. Some of us here, we have good teaching skills. Getting good teachers is hard. But we're not willing to go and teach. Listen, work for believers is not about getting money. It's about saying that I must pour something positive into the environment. You know, workmen are hard to find. People say there's no work. It's not true. What is hard is people who can work. My wife told me about one of her friends, as classmates from secondary school, who started a bakery in Abuja. Said, called the lady a few days ago. How far with your business? Said the woman, said, I'm tired. They're not doing it again. Said, I'm not doing it again. Oh, you're, said, I, pack, I will pack up all my equipment. This staff will not kill me. Her problem is staff. I'll talk about it later. Christians, we also have to go there and market our integrity. Yeah, we have to market integrity. We have to. We have to. We have to arise and shine. I don't know. I feel so... That was, this year, that's not what I planned. That was not my plan to start teaching. I don't know how I entered into it. I just believe... I, I think I know why the Lord said it. We should do that. He said, people are begging for blessings. Their hands are like this. Clenched. That's what I mean. Hidden away. Instead of them to throw their hands open in the position that they can catch the blessing when I throw it down. Many people here, eh? even if you are working somewhere, this year you register a business name. I'm serious. And the evenings, that skill that God has you, has given you, that your God does not use in the office, you will give it two hours every day, six days a week. And get my point. I, I, look, that government didn't send me on this assignment. I'm just one talking. Register for teen. Yes. Even if all you give government is 1,000 a month, what you are doing is that you are developing the country. So they will eat, they, they will eat my tax. <laughs> Before you pay tax, they were eating what they wanted to eat. Now that you are paying tax, let them eat it. But now you can pray and their teeth will break. Are you getting my point? Yeah, because before that time, you God was not... When you say, God, in Jesus' name, break their teeth. God said, what in concern? Your money there inside. <laughs> like somebody said, most of people are criticizing pastors who are flying private jet. Give 15 naira on Sunday as offering. I don't know whether I get my point. Is it your 15 naira we use to private private jet? <laughs> Those who are giving 15 million, they are not complaining. <laughs> well, God said, listen, if you want me to listen to you, put your money there too. Put your effort there too. And please, I'm begging you. You need, like Paul said, I'm begging you on God's behalf. You need to pour faith into this country. I'm a Nigerian, and I'm begging you on Nigeria's behalf. Please don't kill me with your unbelief. My name is Nigeria now. Are you getting my point? 
I'm speaking for Nigeria. God sent me to speak for Nigeria. He said, tell my people, don't kill me with unbelief. Build me up with what? Faith. Let's bow down our heads to pray.